Hey friends, this is Mario J. Radford. I'm the pastor of Growth Point Church, and this is our podcast. I pray that it connects, leads, and maybe introduces you to a growing and life-changing relationship with Jesus. Now let's go into the message. talk for the next few moments on the second core value of grace I want to talk about when grace steps in someone say grace is stepping in someone look at someone say grace is stepping in father in the name of Jesus Christ as we go into this word drip me in your blood drip me in your power drip me in the anointing father I pray that every heaviness is on anybody's mind I pray that it will be removed by your anointing I'm not gifted enough to come against the demons that they face but father it is the anointing that destroys every yoke so I'm relying on it I need it I need preaching power I need the type of power that goes into hell and causes me to get the keys of death hell and the grave and say victory belongs to Jesus do it for your glory do it for your honor in Jesus name amen clap your hands say grace is coming grace is coming you may be seated in the presence of the Lord well y'all ready for the word I'm ready to preach it so when we go back into the Old Testament and we go back to the particular time and I want to ask you and I ask myself as I approach this particular text and I ask why is it that the law ever existed we go back to Adam and Eve and we look at Adam and Eve and we find out that as they were in the garden in the cool of the day walking around having relationship with God and they were walking around and they walked around in such openness that they did not even know that they were naked until they had been allured uh, by a particular enemy the scripture says that he was subtle uh, the enemy has uh, he, he studies you to know how to approach you it says that the enemy enemy was subtle and it says uh, that the enemy was subtle and drew them out and it says that um, Eve uh, partook and she took of the tree that she was told not to eat of and she grabbed that tree and then she introduced it uh, the fruit of the tree and she introduced it to her husband Adam and uh, now um, I don't want you to judge them for eating the tree and many of us talk about maybe it was a fruit tree or maybe it was an apple or maybe it was a banana all these types of things I don't want you to get caught up in the particular fruit that you think it is when it it could be just a tree that they weren't supposed to eat of. Uh, what that means is all of us grab things that we weren't supposed to grab and all of us take things that we are not supposed to take and all of us are enamored. Sometimes that fruit is not necessarily an apple but sometimes that fruit is technology. Sometimes that fruit is entertainment and sometimes that fruit is gossip and sometimes that fruit is despair and if you eat something long enough it will draw you out of fellowship with God. So don't get caught up in the banana. It might not be the banana that's killing you. It might be the thing that you love to eat that's killing you so you have to be careful of saying I wonder was a banana maybe it was lust that draw them out I don't know what it is but many of us like to eat things that we don't like to discuss and, and some of you have become what you eat you know, the reason that you can't have fellowship with God is because you've been eating things that no one else sees and you want a dietary plan and you want a trainer but no trainer can train you outside of the things that you love to eat and some of you have become the very things that you love so it's not the thing you ate it's that you loved it too much it's not money that kills you it's the love of money that has destroyed you and because you love to eat things that you shouldn't eat and grab things that you shouldn't grab now it has caused you as Adam and Eve to get out of fellowship with God so they got out of fellowship with God and he got he moved them out of the garden moved them out of fellowship with him and from that time all the way through the Old Testament it says that prophets and kings were trying to do whatever they could to get back in relationship and fellowship with God they they started to have sacrifices 
They started to kill anim, uh, animals and they start to divide doves and start to do all these different things because God only responded to sacrifice. Now, that was Cain and Abel's problem because God said, I only respond to that which draws from blood. But one person gave him an offering, but this other brother gave him the first of the offering. Uh, some of you all are just giving anything and God doesn't respond to anything that does not cost you something. Someone say it cost me something to be here. Someone just say that right now it cost me something to be here so God responded and and the person who did not respect the offering tried to kill the person uh, because that's what we do that sometimes we like to kill and to destroy things and God said that no just because you tried to kill him his sacrifice is still speaking from the ground his blood is still speaking from the ground and on through all these times it says that they kept trying to offer sacrifice and even Samuel tried to offer sacrifice and Enoch and Eli and, and Elias and all these ones tried to offer different sacrifices and they did all these different things and it got to the point that they had gotten so many sacrifices and got it wrong that here rose up a Moses and when this Moses rose up as scripture says uh, that uh, the people kept messing up and kept doing things and it says that God brought him up into the top of the mountain and said let me give you some laws by which these people can follow now they need laws they need rules they need things that they can know how to follow me and how to honor me and how to practice my presence he even gave him a template for the tabernacle he said this is how the tabernacle is supposed to be laid this is how the ark is supposed to be designed this is how the curtains supposed to be here this is how the windows are supposed to be here and some of y'all don't think God is a God of order but God is very particular about his things he said this is how you do it and this is how I want it done and if you don't do it this way don't even give it to me he had all these different things and even though God gave them a set of rules by which you call the ten commandments come on somebody say amen call them the ten commandments the reason he said ten commandments is because the reason we say ten commandments is because those are the only ten that we want to remember but there were actually, if you read the Bible, there were actually more than 10. There weren't just 10, but those are the only ones we talk about because we, we want to find out what is the least amount that I have to be accountable for. But that wasn't all of them. There's a whole lot of them. But it says that even though there were laws and even though there were rules, they could not uphold them and they could not remember to keep them all the time. So over and over and over again in the Old Testament, you will find how God wanted to destroy them and God wanted to send fire down and to swallow them up and all these different things because they could not follow the rules so all these different prophets tried to intercede for the people's indiscretions and try to uh, intercede for the people who were wrong did all these different things all in the Old Testament they could not keep and then in Matthew generational things and genealogies kept going through all the people that did them. and then it said then came Jesus Mary had a baby and named him Jesus he rose and, and as, as Jesus was as Jesus was growing up, the scripture says that Jesus went into the temple and to the tabernacle. And when Jesus went into the tabernacle, we find out that he questioned all the religious leaders. Every time Jesus went to church, it wasn't just to worship. It was to question. He would ask them, why are you doing these things? And they would say, because Moses said. The prophet said, the law said, so much so they were so caught up in their religion, so caught up in their rules that when it was time to heal someone on the Sabbath, they had an issue because the rules say you only heal people on certain days. 
One particular scripture says that Jesus turned to someone and, and told them that, hey, uh, uh, he saw that the person was stooped over and they, they had been stooped over like that for 18 years. And Jesus looked at the person and said, hey, rise up. You are healed. The person, uh, one of the, the, the Pharisees, one of the, the, the ones who were uh, law carriers in the room said to, Je said to the rest of the room, if any other of you in this room have sicknesses or illnesses, come on other days of the week. Healing is available for you on any other day than the Sabbath. Jesus said to heal on the Sabbath or on any other day, which is more to you? He said, if you lost a sheep, would you wait till the next day to go find it? Or would you go find the sheep today? And they were lost in their thought because their rules were dictating their life. Jesus continued to argue and continue to question the rules. Jesus kept saying, is your rule more important than me? Is your religion that so important? Is holding what Moses said that so important to you? So later on, religion killed Jesus. Religion killed Jesus. Jesus did everything right and still died. You can do everything right, follow the rules, and still be shot. Jesus was killed because of religion. But he knew his purpose was not based on religion. Jesus even said, I don't come to do away with the law. I came to fulfill it. The law was there just to give you a template. But I come to tell you that even if you follow all those things, you can still miss me. So Jesus died because religion and rules killed him. But he didn't stay there. And we talked about it on Easter Sunday. So he got up. So I'm not going to preach a, preach a victorious list, uh, a sermon. No, he got up. Someone say he got up. If I was a Baptist preacher, I would say early. I said early. But I'm not doing that. I did it on Easter. I ain't doing it no more. He got up. So that's all you need to know. He got up. So as we find he got up and John records as it comes to the laws, Jesus fulfilled the laws. And Jesus says, or John says in John 1 and 17, it's going to go on the screen. John 1 and 17, John says the law came through Moses, but grace and truth came through Jesus. The law, the law meaning all these rules you got to follow, all these different things you got to do. He says, but grace and truth. Now, the reason that I pointed that scripture out is that some of you and some of us and some of you watching, when you hear grace teaching, what you think and what we think and what sometimes I've thought is that grace means an excuse to do what you want to do. So when someone says grace, we think, oh, they just want to get away with anything. That means there's no standard. That's what we think. But the scripture says the law came means it showed you a pattern, but grace and truth. What that means is you don't just have, you don't have grace without truth, but you have grace and truth. What it means is once I introduce grace to you, I also show you how to carry this thing out. Now, some of you who have never heard the word grace before, what is that word grace? It comes from a Greek word called charis. Uh, that word means favor or it means to uh, to have um, have a pardon. 
Um, that's what the word means. Now, some of you use the word grace when you got a car. I got favor. When you got engaged, I got favor. When you got a raise, I got favor. When you get a new house, I got favor. And then we say stuff like favor ain't fair. All these different things that we use favor for. But favor was first used not for a car. Pardon was not first used for a down payment on a house. Favor was first used on my life. If you miss favor for you, you have abused the whole thing. To be able to say, if I never get a car, if I never get a house, I still got favor. Favor is pardon. Uh, scriptures, uh, one songwriter said, it's pardon for sin. To be able to say that I deserved punishment. I deserved wrong. I deserved because of what I did. But he gave me favor instead. It says grace and truth came through Jesus. Can anybody give God praise just for grace? To be able to say I'm living under grace. So the dispensation of the law is over. What that means is you can no longer hold anyone to these old religious uh, laws. You got to do this. You got to only operate like this. You got to dress like this. No, I don't. Even if I miss all of that, if I'm under his grace, he covers the rest. Now, now to take grace into another form, for those of you who are overdue on your car payment, thank God. There's something called a grace period. That means that when you mess up, he gives you an extension or gives you a time by which you can still make the payments. Has anybody ever needed grace before or need an extension? Maybe y'all never done it before. Y'all have always had your bills. Y'all were born like that. Y'all have always been rich. But for some of us, we've had to, we've had to call the bill collector and say, can you, can, can, can you give me grace? <laughs> and sometimes the grace you ask for is not the grace you deserve. Because it's not that you didn't have the money, you used the money on the wrong thing. But isn't it, how, isn't it how wonderful how God is? He still gives you grace anyway. And take it out of money. There are a lot of us who use our breath on the wrong thing. There's a lot of us who use our body for the wrong thing. Some of us use our minds for the wrong things. Just take it out of money. Take it out of bills. We do lots of things. We use our tongue for the wrong thing. But isn't it wonderful that God never judges us according to how we use things wrong? But he wakes us up every single day and says, I'm still going to give them grace. Isn't it wonderful that over 2,000 years ago, God decided to die and he decided to include you in it and decided to give you grace before he even met you isn't it wonderful that even when you didn't pray this morning and even when you didn't read your Bible this morning and you're waiting for a word from me because you didn't spend time with God isn't it wonderful that he's so gracious that he gives you a pastor who studies and rightly divides the word of truth and gives you a word that some of you won't even try to live isn't he so gracious? Grace. Oh, I thank him for grace. Whew. So lest I stay there. Jesus, I have to. Lest I stay there. Jesus has risen from the grave. And Brandon, Jesus has revealed himself. Christiana, Jesus has revealed himself to many different people. On the first day of the week, first day of the week, meaning Sunday, 
That's why many of us worship on Sunday because he got up on the first day of the week. We could worship yesterday was actually according to Jewish calendar is the Sabbath. Today is really not the Sabbath. I know that messed up a lot of y'all because you've always said, I remember the Sabbath day to keep it holy. Well, that was yesterday. <laughs> That's why my mom, when I was growing up, she would prepare clothes for Sunday. She would iron clothes. She would cook and everything for Sunday because Sabbath is preparation for the next week. It's a moment to stop, reflect, and rest because of the work that is ahead. I know I mess a lot of y'all up. Y'all are not going to be able to come back to church till 2022. But I want you to be able to remember the Sabbath. So on the first day of the week, Jesus got up from the grave. And as he got up, it says he revealed himself to many different people. Mary. He revealed himself to Mary. Um, she was crying and thought that Jesus was gone. And all of a sudden, Jesus said, Mary. And Jesus, she turned her, she said, Rabboni, which means teacher, which means no one can say my name like Jesus. She responded because he said her name. Well, it goes on and it says that Jesus revealed himself to the disciples. They were in a locked room and Jesus walked into the room and he said, peace be still. Well, as I pick up on this text, I'm almost through because I know some of y'all like this is the longest introduction ever. But if I don't give you the framework You'll shout with no understanding. If I give you the gravy without the meat, you're going to get sick. If I give you dessert without the four course meal, you'll be full on the wrong stuff. So someone say, lay the framework, lay the framework, lay the framework. I just want to, my job is not to shout you. My job is to teach you. I'm a pastor, not an evangelist. So. <laughs> When I was in my early years, I used to preach to, to woo you, but I'm too old for this stuff now. So I, I don't care if you like me, you do. If you don't, then pray for me. This, I, I'm, I'm, that was my younger years. I am old now, <laughs> but Jesus, <laughs> sorry, but Jesus come back Mario. So Jesus, um, revealed himself to the disciples and then he left. But as this text, as far as grace is concerned, brother Shane, Thomas, wasn't in the room where it happened. Jesus revealed himself to the rest of the disciples, but Thomas wasn't there. There's nothing like trying to explain an experience to someone who wasn't in the room. So the disciples, when Thomas shows up, Mother Higgins, the, the disciples say to Thomas, we've seen the Lord. We've seen the Lord. We've seen him. We saw him. We saw the Lord. And Thomas responds and he says, unless I see his hands, unless I thrust my hands in his side, which means where he was wounded, he said, unless I see for myself, I won't believe it. That's where many of us Christians call him doubting Thomas. Well, I have a problem with that about doubting. Doubting means I refuse to believe. Not being in the room means I just didn't see it. Doubting means I refuse to believe it. 
not seeing it means I just didn't experience what you experienced. So I have a problem with us calling him Downing Thomas. Because I know a lot of Christians who don't believe just because you haven't seen. Christians are followers means you are a follower of Christ, but you struggle in your belief. So does that mean you're a doubter? We put labels on people because of our ignorance. So when we see someone who messed up, we call them Slip and Sally. <laughs> when, someone has a, a, when someone has a child out of wedlock, we judge them and label them based on a decision instead of giving them grace. And what the problem is, most times in the old church, we would always bring the woman up and ask her to ask for forgiveness. But you would never see the man anywhere. But we would always shame the woman, but never bring the man to accountability. Where's that in the Bible? <laughs> oh, it's a good class today. Oh, it's a good class. PJ, thank you for not letting them shout. It's a good class. So Jesus came. I mean, excuse me. Um, so Thomas responds to them. He said, I just didn't see it. So unless I see it, I won't believe it. So I can imagine the disciples are now saying to him, as many of us do, so you're not going to believe? You've been walking with Jesus all this time and you're not going to believe? I mean, you've seen the miracles he's done. You've seen, he told us he was going to get up and you ain't going to believe? So that's what you're going to do, Thomas? So you're going to be one of those who are of us, but not of us. So you're not going to believe. So all of a sudden, the people who just didn't believe themselves a few days ago now turn on the person who wasn't there because God had to speak peace to them. But they don't tell that part of the story. They just want to judge him because it feels good. So you aren't in the room. So, so Thomas, you're not going to believe. So now Thomas all of a sudden starts walking around basically on edge because he thinks that if he sees Jesus, that Jesus is going to judge him just like they judged him. So now Thomas is walking around on edge, mad. He's like, I, I mean, I just wasn't there. It's not, it's not that I doubted. I just, I didn't see it. So we find out, it says later on, eight days later, Jesus shows up again. Oh, isn't it wonderful when he shows up again? Jesus shows up again and it says, and the people were in, they were in locked rooms. They were in locked up rooms. Now, now, those of you who don't know the text, you have to wonder, you're asking, why were they locked up? And why was the room, why were they locked up? Because at that time, it was not popular to be a follower of the way. It was not popular to be a disciple of Jesus. Because people were talking and they were saying uh, that the body of Jesus had been, uh, 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 that it had been stolen. So people were walking around saying, who took the body of Jesus? And, and it wasn't popular because you remember religion killed him. So now those who in, are in authority, Pilate and those who are in authority are out looking for everybody who is in the minority. Because the minority were those who were following Jesus. So the majority was the people who was running the system. So the system was looking for the minority. Wish I had a Bible church. So they were in a locked room 
fearing for their life because it wasn't popular to be a believer and it was not safe because the centurions of that time which represented the police could kill you and get away with it the people at that time the police they can come and shoot you even in your bed and you can go on trial and still get away with it because the system was for you it wasn't for the minority so you could be running for your life and you can be on the only thing you're guilty of is being a believer but the system and the person who shot you could get away with it and call it an accident and say oh I'm sorry I thought it was a taser And get away with it because the system was for them what do you do when you're locked up in the room because you're trying to save your life what do you do when you're locked up in the room with other believers you're locked up in the room and you're only in there because you're fearing for your life and wondering are they going to have a no not warrant on you you're nervous. You're scared. You don't know what to do. And all of a sudden, that's not, uh, so they're in fear. That's the tension of the room. That's how it feels. And I don't know if anybody's been in a locked up situation. And I want to talk to anybody who feels locked up and you don't know what to do. And you're in your house and you're locked up in your emotions and you're locked up in your thoughts. And, and you're tired of things to be, being the way that they are. It's not that you don't love God. You're just tired of being locked up. It's not that you don't believe. You're just tired of being locked up. You're tired of everything seeming like it's open season on you. Locked up. Locked up. So all of a sudden, while they're in fear, it says that Jesus walks through the door. Locked up door, which means hindrance. Means it shut out. But Jesus walks through something. He walks through a door. He walks through even though the door was not open for him. Which represents grace walked in. <laughs> grace steps over rules. Grace does not need permission. Grace is promiscuous. You know that word in another term. But grace flaunts itself. It looks for any place to just show up and just to show you that grace works. So grace stepped into the room and the first thing that grace did is that Jesus, and as soon as Jesus walks in, Thomas is like, oh, here comes Jesus getting ready to judge me like the rest of the people. Here comes Jesus getting ready to say, here, Thomas, you didn't believe? Really? I can't believe you didn't believe. No, that's not what grace does. That's not what Jesus does. Grace invites. Y'all miss that. Jesus walked over to Thomas and said, touch my hands. He said, put your hands in my side. He never said, you don't believe. He said, oh, no. If you want to experience it, come on. Come on. If you need to know if it's real, come on. I'm going to give you an invitation. I'm going to invite you. Do you know that there are only many of us who are only in here because of an invitation? There are many of us who are only where you are in life because of an invitation. Jesus didn't judge Thomas. He invited him. He said, you don't believe I'm going to invite you into an experience. 
I'm going to invite you. I'm going to ask you. I'm going to say, come on, come on. If you want to experience, you want to know if it's real, come on, come on. I'm going to invite you. Say, is anybody in the room ever had an invitation that you're grateful for? We used to have in the old church, in the church I was growing up, we used to have an invitation period uh, at the end of the service, which it was invite people to Christ. And we're going to do that. Not We're going we're gonna to have chairs and deacons sing and come to Jesus. But it's an invitation to make sure that if you want to touch him, I invite you. If you want to know, I'm going to invite you. There's some, there are some sales I would have not even known about unless somebody told me about it. There are some restaurants I would have never eaten at unless somebody invited me to it. So you have to thank God for the invitation. So, so Jesus said to him, he said, I invite you. He said, he said, you want to touch? He said, come on. And then after that, grace doesn't just invite. Grace will then confirm. Because when he, uh, when Jesus invited him to the experience, because Jesus already knew he was real. He already knew what he had was real. But Thomas didn't know until he actually came closer. When he came closer, the scripture says that Thomas said, my Lord and my God. Which is to say that in his closeness with Jesus, he, it, what, what Jesus was inviting him to was confirmed. That when he got near him, he said, my Lord and my God. Which is to say, I heard they saw you, but now I've seen you for myself. I'm not saying their Lord, their God. Now I'm saying my Lord, my God. Uh, Marvin Winans wrote the song, I've heard uh, about the things you've done. I heard people uh, talk about you. He said, but now I've got to know you myself. Is there anybody in the room who's got to know Jesus for yourself? It's, 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 I heard that he was a bridge over troubled waters. I, I heard that he would make a way out of no way. I heard that he would heal. But because I have now experienced him for myself, now I can say he's my Lord and he is my God. And that's what Thomas said. He said, I went from not being sure to now I can say my Lord my God it's something about when you get close to him it's something about when you move from a church experience to a real experience because rules will have you missing relationship because the disciples were judging him possibly and saying, you should believe just because you believe. But Thomas said, I want to, but I'm struggling in my faith right now. And there are some of you right now, it's not that you don't love God. It's not that you don't love church. It is not that you don't like this message, but it's hard for you when you're struggling with your faith. When you're just in a period where it's just, I don't see it for myself. So that's what he said. He said, now he moved from the invitation to now he said, it's confirmed now. Oh, he's my Lord. He's my God. I know him for myself. I heard what grandmama said, but I know, I know now. I remember when I was growing up, I would laugh at people shouting. I would laugh at people falling out on the floor. Because he wasn't my Lord yet. And I used to think that it was just an emotional expression, an emotional experience. And I would laugh at people. I'm like, here they go. They get shouting three, two, one. There she goes. And I would laugh at that. Then all of a sudden, something hit me. And it went from being their Lord 
to like, ooh, my Lord. And I went from making fun of to being one of them. I grew up, I want y'all to tell you, I'm almost through. I grew up saying I would never be a preacher. I said, Lord, I will be a musician. I will be a director of the choir. I will be an usher. Not an usher, an usher. I said, I'll be on the parking. I'll do anything but preach. My daddy's a preacher, and I don't like it. Because sometimes he preaches, and the people don't even study what he preaches. I said, I'll never be a preacher because they make the first family, quote, end quote, as if they are supposed to be the perfect people. I'll never be a part of that. I'll never be a preacher because they talk about preachers. I'll never be one of those. I ran for a long time. Said, I'll never. I mean, I was singing. And in the middle of my sermon, I would just give a little sermonette and then I would stop. I'm like, ooh, oh no, that ain't me. That's my daddy. I would be in the middle of a concert and then I would grab the microphone and I would give this little, I would talk about the song and I would give a scripture. And then the choir behind me would be like, I wish you would just say yes. Because I had to get it out. And I would be like, ooh, that's not me. And I kept fighting it. And I kept saying, and then one moment, at one particular time, I said, Lord, if that's what you want me to do, it's not my will, but your will, because it's your call, not mine. Here I am, 20 years later, doing the very thing I said I would never do. Because he wasn't my father's God. It's mine. I heard him preach it, but now I'm preaching it. It don't have anything to do with what he said. It's what I know for myself. I'm not here preaching daddy's word. I'm preaching the word that God gave me because now he's my Lord. Can someone lift your hand to say he's my Lord? To be able to say he's my God. I've experienced it for myself. That's what grace does. Grace will invite you. Then grace will confirm that it's real. But that's not all grace does. Because after he confirmed it, he said, that's, that's who I am. That, I'm, I'm, that's me. It's me. And Thomas said, my Lord, my God. Then Jesus responded and he said, so you only believe because you see? He said, blessed are those who do not see, but still believe. Grace invites. Grace confirms. But lastly, Grace challenges. Now, what does that mean? I don't want you to always need grace to believe. You missed it. He said, you believe because you've touched me. You've seen me. You've been in my presence. But there are going to be many other seasons where you will not see me. But I'm going to ask you to still believe. I'm going to challenge you, brother. I'm going to challenge you, sister, that at some point, your faith is going to have to grow. That you're not always going to need tangible evidence to know I'm real. There are some of you who you don't believe God until you get things, until things work out. God said, that's, that's grace for that, and that's good. But can you believe and you don't see a way out? Can you trust me and still not ever know when it's going to happen? Can you? He said, blessed are you, Thomas, because you see. 
He said, but blessed are the other people who are going to come after you who didn't even see you, but still believe me. Other people who are going to hear the story of you, but not get to touch like you touched, but still believe. And I want to ask everybody in this room, how many more signs do you need? How many more signs do you need just to know God is for you? There's a tension in this room right now. Because all of us are being challenged by the very thing that you say you need that you might not need. You say and we say, I need God to show me. I need him to show me that it's real. I need God to show me that it's for me. And God in heaven is saying, do you? Is that what you need to believe? Do you need things to work out completely right just for you to believe that I'm for you? How many mountains have I taken care of in your life so far? How many ways have I made in your life so far? How many times have I given you grace that you did not deserve for? How many car accidents have you escaped? How, how many bullets have not hit you yet? How many things have you survived? How, how much more do I need to do to prove that I'm God? And there are some of you, sorry church, I'm sorry, I am so sorry that church was not what you wanted it to be today. I'm so sorry. That you didn't get to lay out the floor and eat carpet like you wanted to. I'm so sorry. But I am also so sorry to God. That we need a huck and a bup just to believe you. I'm so sorry God. That we need somebody to keep lifting us up every single day just for us to believe you. God I am so sorry. That we need somebody to say encourage me. Lift me. Build me. Do whatever just so I can believe that God is for me. And Jesus says to Thomas, he said, I know that you believe because you see me physically. But blessed is every single person who is not in this room physically, but still believes. And I'm asking you, church, I'm asking you believers. I'm asking you those who are not believers. Can you make a decision to say, Lord, even if I don't see, I still believe. Even if it doesn't work out the way I think it's supposed to work out, I still believe. There's a blessing to those who still believe even when you don't see it. And I want you, church, to live a blessed life. I don't want you to live a half-baked life. I want you to have a blessed life. To be able to say, Lord, I don't know when change is going to come, but I still believe. I don't know when justice is going to come, but I still believe. I don't know how many more people are going to get killed. I don't know how many more things are going to go wrong. But I still believe you, period. I still believe. Can somebody just lift your hands right now and say, Lord, I still believe. That's all. That's it. Cry, but believe. What I'm saying is, how many more pity parties do you need? How many? How many more people do you need to pray for you? When he said, just reach out and touch me. Just believe. Just believe me. Period. 
that's what Thomas, that's what grace is for. Grace will invite you. Grace will confirm itself. But at some point, grace will challenge you and say, brother, sister, this walk is going to be for the mature believers only. This season, God wants you to believe and be mature. Be mature enough to be able to like, Lord, it hurts, but I trust you. Lord, I don't know, but I trust you. Lord, it seems like everything is going crazy in my life, but I trust you. Someone say it out loud. I still trust you. That's my assignment. That's all I got. I don't have a hoop. I don't have a holler. I don't have a hum. I don't have a keychain. It's just one word from Jesus to say, there's going to come a season where you won't see, but I'm going to ask you to still believe. If that word, however low it was for some of you, if that word was for your season, I want to ask you to do me a favor right now. I want everybody who that word hit you directly in the corner of your forehead, in the corner of your life. I want you to stand all over the building. If you say that was me, I've been in a hard season. Thank you. Thank you. Let's say it was me. That's I'm, I'm that person. It's been hard. It's been difficult. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Listen, I don't want you to leave here judged. Jesus' message wasn't about judgment. It was about challenge. He said, I love you too much, Thomas, for you to always need me like this. He said, Thomas, I love you too much for you to always need the mystical. Always need the miracle. Do you know that sometimes Jesus only did a miracle just because the people wouldn't believe? He didn't do a miracle because he had to. He, he didn't just want to do it. He did. He's like, well, they won't believe unless I do. You want scripture for it? When he was standing outside of Lazarus' tomb, he said, so that you'll be glorified bring him out of this it was for God to be glorified and for the people to see I'm asking you and I'm saying some of you just don't see it but I'm asking you this week for you to walk this week out and say Lord I still don't see it but I believe you I want you to think about whatever it is that you're experiencing whatever's going on in your life whatever wherever you are in your life whatever you're experiencing and I want you for a few moments while they play. I want you for a few moments. I want you to have a talk with Jesus. And I want you to say this, this season is real hard because you've been listening to me. But there's a moment right now that God really needs to hear from you, Thomas. He really needs to hear you say, my Lord, my God. He really needs for you to just open your mouth and say, Lord, I have been struggling with my belief. But right now, Lord, I want to say I believe you anyway. Come on for us just for a few moments will you nobody's listening to you will you for a moment lift your hands and open up your mouth and just begin to talk to god and say lord i'm, I'm right here I'm, I'm having an issue right here i'm having a struggle right here there's something going on with me right here in this season in my house in my mind in my relationships in my job come on just talk to him right now no one's listening to you it's just you you and god just you and god come on Come on, come on, come on, open your mouth. Come on, open your mouth. Say, Lord, it's me. Come, Lord, it's me. Lord, it's me. Come on, open your mouth. Say, Lord, it's me. 
Lord, it's me. I, I need you in this area. I'm struggling in this area. I'm having a hard time, Lord, and I need you. I need you. I need you. I need you. Come on, open your mouth. Say, Lord, I need you. I need you right there. It's hard. Come on. I, I would let it go, but I can't let it go until you get there. Come on. Just a few moments. Raise up the music for a moment. Raise it up. Come on, somebody just open your mouth. I, I don't want you to leave out of here depressed. I don't want you to leave out of here held held. I don't want you to leave out of here going through. I don't want you to leave down here burning. I want you to just go ahead. Go for it. Go for broke. Go for broke. Come on, the cry you need, cry out, the holler you need, holler out, whatever it is, say, Lord, it's a SOS. God, it's a SOS, I need you. I need you, those of you online, come on, do the same thing. Open your mouth, open your mouth, open your mouth, wherever you are, come on, put your device down. Say, Lord, I need you. I'm struggling, I'm struggling. every hand that's lifted I pray for everyone who's on live stream I pray for everyone who's not connected physically in the building reach out and touch them reach out and touch every hand reach out and touch every mind reach out and touch every broken heart reach out and touch every broken household reach out and touch everyone who's going through God I'm asking for heaven to reach down reach down and touch the area Lord in the name of Jesus Christ father we believe you father we trust you Father, we renew our faith in you. Father, mama might not have seen it. Daddy might not have seen it. Uncles may not have seen it. Generations before me may not have seen it. But I still believe that somebody in my generation is going to break this curse. I believe that somebody in this lineage is going to do great things. I believe somebody in my family is going to break the cycle and that it's going to stop with me. I still believe you. Somebody say it out loud. I still believe. Break every chain. Destroy every yoke. Break every chain. Destroy every yoke. In the name of Jesus. I feel, I sense, let's break it down. I feel and I sense that there are some of you in this room who you're tormented in your mind. Your mind is just wearing you out. It's just your mind. Is there anybody in the room? Just wave your hand. Just me. It's just your mind. It's not people. It's your mind. It's not your co-worker. It's just your mind. Will you do me a favor? Lay hands on your mind. Father. Ooh, restore their mind. Repeat after me. Say, Lord, restore my mind. Let me think right thoughts. Come on, say it. Let me think right thoughts. 
I speak against every evil thought. I claim my mind for Jesus. Now say this after me. Say the blood's on my mind. Come on, say it right now. The blood's on my mind. In Jesus' name. Now what does that mean, the blood's on my mind? What that means is that nothing that the enemy tries to put on your mind can stay because when the enemy sees the blood, he's got to pass over. I want you to start speaking victory. Start speaking it, church. Let me tell you something. Speaking victory does not mean you are weak. Some of y'all say, some of y'all just want me to speak victory because, no, it doesn't mean that your problem has left. No. Jesus stayed in the grave still knowing victory was coming. But he stayed there long enough stayed there for three days and then claimed the victory what i'm saying is no longer how no long no matter how long you're staying in what you're in victory is coming someone say that loud victory is coming now i'm through i'm gonna hand this over to brandon listen messages like this when i give messages like this they are the hardest messages for me to preach break it down it's the hardest message for me to minister because they're the messages that you don't know what happens until later. When Jesus said to Thomas, he said, just put your hand in. Just, I don't believe Thomas started shouting. But I believe that moment Thomas said, now I know he's real. Now I know. I want you, maybe it don't do anything for you today. Maybe it doesn't do anything for you tomorrow. But maybe by Wednesday, maybe you'll wake up and say, that heaviness I started out with. That thing that I was dealing with, it's gone. Because I believe. If there's anybody in the room who hasn't given your life to Jesus and you're saying, hey, I want to make a decision right now. I say, hey, I want to believe in Jesus. I want to give my heart to Jesus. I'm ready to make a decision. I'm ready to move forward in my confession of faith. If that's you, will you go ahead and lift up your, I want you to go ahead right now. I want everybody to repeat after me. We're going to say the prayer of salvation together. Everybody together. Will you do it with me right now? Everybody together. Say, Father. Say, Father, I believe in you. I place my faith in you. I trust you. Come into my heart. Save me. Make me your, uh, make, uh, make, uh, excuse me. Come into my heart. Save me. I believe you died for me. I believe you got up for me. In Jesus name. Amen. If you prayed that prayer, even I stumbled through it. If you prayed that prayer and you believe that you gave your heart to Jesus and you prayed that prayer for the first time, I want to celebrate you. I want you to raise your hand. I want you to say, I gave my life to Jesus today for the first time. And we want to celebrate you if you did that. For those of you who are live streaming and for those of you who are in the room and say, hey, I want this church to be my church. I need a church home. I need a family. I want to connect with it. I want you to raise your hand. We want to celebrate you as well and say, hey, I need a church family. I want to be a part of this church. This is the place that I want to be and I want to make sure that you have a church home or whatever either way whether you gave your life to christ or whether you made that or uh, whether you're joining this church where you're live streaming or whether you're in this building can we do a favor right now and can we give god praise for god's grace can we give god praise for his grace come on open your mouth give god praise for his grace say lord thank you for your grace now we're going to leave here in a minute brandon's going to come take up the offering but let me tell you this week i promise you you're going to be challenged y'all hear me this week you're gonna be challenged what i need you to do 
and say, Lord, in advance, thank you for the grace for the challenge I face. Come on. For the challenge that's in front of me, thank you for the grace that I have to deal with it. You hear me? What you need, you already have. What you need, you already have. Just use it. Come on, just open your mouth and say, I'm going to use it. I'm going to say it together. I'm going to use it. God bless you live streaming. We thank you for tuning in. I'll see you next week. But whatever you do this week, keep growing. Everybody clap. I want to take this time to thank you for your prayers, support, and generous giving that make this ministry possible. For more ways to connect, visit online at growthpointchurch.org. If you've enjoyed today's message, you can like, subscribe, share with your friends, or take a screenshot and share on your social stories and tag us at My Growth Point. Until next time, keep growing.